Chapter 1 It had been snowing off and on since Christmas. For nearly a month now, while the men of the town were at work, boys would come out in twos or threes with shovels to clear a pathway on their neighbor's sidewalks. An occasional older man, impoverished or proud, could be seen daring death with a shovel in hand, clearing steps so that one could get in and out of the house, or using a small snowblower on a driveway in the hope of getting his wife to the supermarket and back before the next snow fell. At night, mostly, when the traffic had thinned, the town's orange snowplows would come scraping down the roads, their headlamps casting funnels of still-falling snow. Alongside these thoroughfares, the snow lay in hillocks, some ten or fifteen feet high, thawing a bit each day in bright sun, then refreezing, forming the crust on which it would soon snow again. It seemed impossible that spring might come, and that these humped gray masses would eventually vanish as water into the heel-hard ground. Of course it was beautiful to those who looked up at the huge evergreens, dusted with snow, and above them the bare webs of leafless silver maples reflecting sunlight. In the fields at the outskirts of town, one could see, after twenty-nine days of snow, half-mile stretches of the untrampled season's glory. Young children enjoyed the marvelous fluff to tramp in or throw, but to their elders in the village of Ossining, the snow was nature's trick, daily defeating the salt-spreaders, snow-plows, calcium chloride, studded tires, and the hopeless attempts to get rid of the garbage stuffed into cans outside the back door. The food scraps and containers crammed into huge plastic bags and other makeshifts alongside the overstuffed cans testified that through a month of relentless snowfall, human consumption continued day after day. Unlike the neighboring village of Briarcliff Manor, which was almost entirely middle class, and the small section called Scarborough, which was upper middle class, Ossining also had working class neighborhoods and a large black slum. Located in the richest county in the United States, Ossining itself was not at all rich. Though Ossining had the highest tax rate in the county, the center of the village had numerous empty storefronts. Nearby homes were run down, fled from. The biggest strain on taxes was, of course, the schools, in which violence was not unknown. Working-class family cars, like gunboats, displayed the flag. Parents suffered their children who succumbed to long hair— It was not an unusual town in a country on the decline after only two centuries. Ossining had originally been named Sing Sing, after the Sink Sink Indians who inhabited the area from the Pocantico River to the Croton. But long before Hollywood made Sing Sing prison known throughout the world, the local inhabitants divorced themselves nominally from the men behind the walls and changed the name of their village to Ossining. The state eventually caused the prison to be renamed the Ossining Correctional Facility, but the townspeople did not have the will for a further change of name. They accepted it as they did all numeral telephones, the inefficiency of public servants, the dearth of honest craftsmen, and the lack of a place you could take a car to be repaired by a good mechanic. It wasn't the end of the world. In Ossining this January day, an extraordinary young man of sixteen named Edward Jaffet was practicing magic tricks in front of a large mirror in his parents' bedroom. He had been performing tricks for three years. At thirteen, he had started with the usual cards and thimbles and sponge-rubber balls, 
working his way up through black boxes and gadgets to stage-size illusions. At sixteen, because of his skill at ledger domain, a lightness of hand, and his ability to distract even sophisticated adults with amusing patter while his hands did their covert work, he could be fairly called an accomplished magician. Ed's touch with an audience was apparent also in the classroom. His social studies teacher, Mr. Wincor, traditionally provided his students with a list of fifty subjects from which they were to choose one to talk about for five minutes in front of the class. Ed Jaffet was the first ever to choose the difference between a republic and a democracy, and delivered such a precise, clear, and even witty comparison that Mr. Wincor found himself joining the students in spontaneous applause at the end. It was only later that he began to wonder if Ed had not cribbed his speech from some source unknown to Mr. Wincor, and at a suitable moment after class that week he called Ed aside when the others had left the room.